bitch thoughts. Sports news that top. You know Chris said, uh, she got you taking all the shots. Tell me, like, who got traded, who did not, and what's the latest? Well, let's debate. Just trust the process, you know we got this in-depth analysis. Who's the baddest? Yes, right here, behind the line. No bout, there's no crowd. Like N1, go for two, three, pull the drop to the hoop. We cover it all inside the park. The newest stud up from the bar. It's people's thoughts. DTB, you're tuned into the best you'll see. Welcome to The Underdog, the official podcast of the Underdog Sports Network. Anju, you and I, Chris Warwardell, and he's Anju Kana, we are now The Underdog. We are. Cool brand change, in my opinion. Nice work by you and by uh, one Daniel Bauer for coming up with this. It's a, it's a pretty true. cool switch right I, I, i'm excited about it yeah me too me too it's certainly you know we, we've long wanted to change the name because uh you know i i've obviously told the story internally to everyone but this the original name of our website deepish thoughts was nothing more than me creating a practice website that ended up getting really big and it didn't make sense to change anymore <laughs> but you know now we, we always wanted to incorporate something a little bit more sports themed into the title, something a little bit more relevant. And now, you know, we are, we are underdog sports and uh, it's super exciting. I am very happy about some of the stuff that we have planned moving forward. I am uh, very unhappy about the prospect of continuing to build the rest of the website, but ideally it will all be worth it. Ideally in a perfect world or even in a slightly imperfect world, but uh, one thing I'll mention about the rebrand is it's not a random arbitrary name. Mm. Um, and we'll, it, that'll be seen as we roll out some of the features we're excited about going mm. forward. And, uh, yeah, so it's not just, uh, you know, some random cliche phrase that people like to use in sports, although it is pretty cool. Um, and the logo is excellent. Um, but I, you know, and I'm a little bit biased, but we're, <laughs> we're really excited about some of the stuff we're going to roll out to you guys. For sure. And yes, we can't talk about a couple of the things that will tie in very closely to the new name of the website, but they are coming very soon. Actually, one of them could be here this week, the other one as soon as possible. And yeah, awesome stuff is, uh, is forthcoming. But until then, let's get back to talking about our podcast, you and I. <laughs> and uh, last week we had a guest host. One Dave McGraw from Sunny and PHX. Dave did an admirable job filling in, in the huge shoes of Anshukana, but uh, ultimately we didn't quite hit the traffic we did in previous weeks. And because of because of that, Anshu now thinks he's far more important than he actually is. Yeah, my big <laughs> shoes match my giant head. So thank you for that, um, and mainly thank the listeners for that. Hopefully. I mean, I have no idea why that was. I'm guessing it was just a complete random coincidence. But uh, <laughs> if it's not, then I'm super humbled. And uh, hopefully if we continue to get your downloads, if not your appreciation. All right. Well, today we have the NFL coming up later this uh, later this week. The NFL will actually kick off in uh, two, well, two days from where Anshu and I are right now. Tomorrow, when you guys listen to this, but one thing I want to talk about before that, and this is this super weird, crazy story that came out today, and it was one of those things that I got the update on my phone, and I just had to do a double take and think, what? What? 
And that would be this this, this Red Sox Yankees thing. The Boston oh, Red Sox man. are allegedly uh, have been using Apple watches to steal signs. What did <laughs> what did you make of this? Can you all right? So I saw the brief headline. I have to admit it was very recent. So yeah. Can you just explain what exactly it was? I know Apple Watches were used to okay. cheat or to steal signs, but yeah. No problem. So this is, uh, I'm going to read a little little segment from the New York Times, which may or may not be slightly biased with this story. So the New York Times says, The baseball inquiry began about two weeks ago after the Yankees general manager Brian Cashman filed a detailed complaint with the commissioner's office that included video the Yankees shot of the Boston Red Sox during the three-game series with the Boston last month. The Yankees, who had long been suspicious of the Red Sox stealing catcher signs in Fedway Park, contended the video showed a member of the Red Sox training staff looking at his Apple Watch in the dugout and then relaying a message to players who may or may not have been able to use that information to know the type of pitch that was going to be thrown. Uh, according to people familiar with the case. Baseball investigators uh, uh, corroborated the Yankees' claims based on the video the commissioner's office uses for instant replays and broadcasts. The commissioner's office then confronted the Red Sox, who admitted that their trainers had received signals from video replay personnel and then relayed the information to some players, an operation that has been in place for the last several weeks. The Red Sox responded in kind on Tuesday, filing a complaint against the Yankees, claiming the team's using cameras from its television network, yes, exclusively to steal signs during games. Wow. It's just crazy to me that, I mean, I know if you're not cheating, you're not trying, yeah. but man, it's just funny to hear like Apple Watch and right. like, the technology that's used um, because it's like the kind of thing that we would probably joke about on a show like this one, but mm. It's uh, it's very real, clearly, and I'm surprised that they volunteered the information. I'm guessing eh, this has to be an educated report, obviously, yeah. in terms of the Red Sox know or the Yankees knowing that this was going on, and vice versa. And so, I, I mean, I wonder what the basis of it is, but it's pretty, pretty wild. And I don't, I wonder now what the penalties will be. Remember, we have the Astros as a benchmark with the St. Louis Cardinals and in. in uh, hacking their scouting database, um, and I, and I do wonder if that sets the sort of precedent. And that was pretty harsh. I'm guessing this won't be nearly as harsh because yeah. stealing signs is sort of part of the culture of baseball, allegedly. But uh, knowing that that's the case and going out of your way to use technology to do so is a whole other level. Yeah, I, I really I'm interested to find out what comes out from this story, because I want to know the actual logistics of what's being relayed, because it seems <laughs> exactly. like it seems like that stuff is happening so quickly that it would be tough to get it from one person to the next person to the players in time for it to be useful. Right. I've That's always been my question about sign stealing is like, all right, so say a guy at second, like, picks up the catcher signals mm -hmm. somehow over the course of the game or say they even in the best case scenario, they know the signs that the pitcher and catcher are using going into the game. Now the player at second has to relay them in, or maybe some scout in center field has to relay them in using colors or flashing or something. Mm. Right. And then on top of that, you have to know inside or outside, you have to know up or down and the pitcher has to locate it in a place that you can get a handle on it right. as a hitter. So I, obviously there's some, obviously there's some advantage to it, but I'm not sure what it would be and how quickly you have to process that. Now, again, 
we're talking about a sport where these players are able to process things at absurdly superhuman levels, mm-hmm. essentially the hitters, but it's still crazy to me that, that that would provide such an edge so as to, you know, improve their chances of winning in at bat and in the game in general. Yeah. So in the scenario you talk about where runners is second and he picks up the catcher's signs, like I, I kind of understand how that could be useful because theoretically that could just be like, Hand signs conveyed to the batter to to show what's going on, what what pitch is expected, all of that. But I wonder if this stuff that we're getting now is more about picking up tendencies than actually what's going on on a pitch to pitch basis. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, well, the the yes network stuff wouldn't be that, right? I mean, I guess it would be. But even then, tendencies, eh, like, you can get that stuff on tape, can't you, anyway? You can get it on tape, yeah. but you can't get real-time what's going on, what game the game plan is in this particular matchup. But it's not, like, a dynamic game. Each That's the thing about baseball. That's Everything is a, is a discrete packet of information. So, you know, they, they have the ability to get all that information. You get a feel for what Pitcher X does against left-handed batter Y, Mm -hmm. you know, in in this scenario and that scenario, and they have all the algorithms that crunch that. So I just wonder, you know, I get it. I get that everyone wants an edge, but I feel like the risks far outweigh the advantages here. Um, Yeah, I just don't get it. Uh, Well, it's, I'm really excited, really excited to see what else comes out from this because I do want to know the rest of the story. And another story that I'm hoping that we get potentially before you and I stop talking is uh, this Ezekiel Elliott thing today, because allegedly it's going to the ruling is going to come out by end of business. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised it hasn't come out yet. Maybe, you know, maybe end of the, business where <laughs> uh, right, because the legal office is New York. So if they're right. if they're closed at five, that was you know two and a half hours ago. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe the Cowboys already know, and it just hasn't been announced. Or I, I have a feeling if the Cowboys knew, then there would be a lot of things coming out from the Cowboys that he's been cleared. If it was good news. Oh yeah, I mean Jason Garrett basically today said that they were practicing with him out there and valuable practice reps on the first team as if he was mm-hmm. going to be able to play. So I'm not sure if that's more of like a this is what our expectation is. Let's set the, you know, set up the league so that they kind of feel like their hand is forced, which obviously they wouldn't feel, but who knows? Um, Or if it's really like they, you know, Garrett thinks that they're going to have Zeke. I I don't see what uh, reason he has to tell the truth here. So my guess is it's totally irrelevant, but you know, who knows? I, I I think that I, first of all, how do we know that this is supposed to come out today what was the who was the source on that because i heard some varying stuff uh, throughout the day good question um i have to look up to see who actually said it i just know that i read it earlier um let's see as opposed to in the future yeah correct i read it 10 minutes from now <laughs> uh yeah i'm not sure i can't find it i can't find it offhand and i don't want to spend too much time trying to find a story when we don't have a lot of time mm-hmm Right. Well, anyways, I, I don't, I mean, obviously the end of business has come and gone. Yeah. I doubt that they're getting any new info. And so I don't know. I think at the end of the day, I, I mean, I'm whatever info they have, like I'm fine with Zeke getting suspended. I just think it's sort of 
unfortunate that they're leaving the Cowboys in the lurch when it's, you know, it's a one player who's doing the wrong thing here, not, or whatever, allegedly doing the wrong thing. So I don't really get that, that perspective or why the league office would take any more time and put them at a disadvantage, even more of a disadvantage than they already are. How much of this, uh, how much of the story did you read about? Because when he was talking to the, the league office, like, I, I can't believe that this guy is as dumb as he is. Zeke? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess but I can, well, but... Yeah. So, when he... he did what of, he said he did, that he's very dumb. So. Yeah, well, one of, the, one of the stories and one of the excuses that he gave, and this would be particularly related to the St. Paddy's Day pulling that girl's shirt down, uh, was yeah. she couldn't have been that mad at it, uh, I banged her later. His words, not mine. Wow. <laughs> he said that to the league office? Yup. That was one of his, wow. that was his excuse okay. for why it was okay. Well, that is not great, but, you know, this guy, I mean, one thing that I try to keep in mind with, with these instances is just uh, that we're talking about totally differently developed human beings. Yeah. And, and I mean... You know, you'd like to think that they see the world and treat the world and react to people the same way we do. But this is a guy that was a super megastar from the day he, you know, was probably 12 years old. So, mm. I, I mean, I just that that stuff makes us, you know, kind of cringe. But this is like it's we're talking about apples and oranges in terms of how a normal person would normal would react to this. That also I would just say that he has terrible attorneys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How do you let that stuff come out? Absolutely. Oh. And there was a, yeah, he, oh, God. I just, just, I don't want to talk too much about it because it's very, very crass, but I would encourage everyone to go read the story of what exactly he said because it's fascinating and he's incredibly stupid. Yep. Agreed on all accounts. All right. Well, let's, uh, I don't think we're going to get through this whole NFL preview today. That feels really ambitious, but let's, uh, let's set our aim here for getting through the AFC and uh, let's start with the AFC East. First up, the Buffalo Bills finished seven and nine in the AFC East last year, which was good for third place. (sighs) Not a lot of additions for this team. This is a team that has sort of made their bones as a running team in the past couple of years and they just haven't been able to stop anybody specifically stop the pass since then their best cornerback has uh, departed for greener pastures what uh, what do you think the big concerns with this bills team are this year aren't you oh man where do we start yeah <laughs> i mean the thing is concerns is an interesting word to use about the bills because they, you know, they're actively trying to lose. In an age of of tanking almost throughout sports now, mm-hmm. the Bills are trying. They're actively pursuing losses. I mean, and uh, maybe for good reason as we look at the types of quarterbacks that will be out there in the first round of next year's draft and a team that's very likely going to be looking for one. Um, so I would start there. I mean, Tyrod Taylor is a, a solid, productive, efficient quarterback, but he's not – you know, I don't talent wise. I'm not sure that anyone would put him way up there. Mm. Not really a big winner, quote unquote, as much as I hate to say that. And, you know, this is a team that's very much in transition. They ship Sammy Watkins. They, you know, who is clearly their best skill position player outside of LaShawn McClay. It's their best pass catcher out of the, the perimeter. Mm. 
And so I, I would just, I guess I would just say that that pass game in general is by far their biggest weakness, a defense that could hold up in general, but um, the fact that they don't really have much uh, to go off, go, go on as far as a compliment to LaShawn McCoy, it's, it's a real problem. And how about that, that secondary? Are we concerned about that? Because obviously, you know, the Stephen Gilmore left for the Patriots. They traded Ronald Darby to the Eagles for Jordan Matthews. You know, this is what Jordan Gaines and Tredavious White probably are the starters. That that's not good. Oh, that's not great. Didn't they get someone in? The, did you mention the trade? I'm trying to remember who they EJ got. EJ Gaines. Was, yeah, yeah, EJ Gaines. But he's you know a tiny little guy. That's not going to be your banner in on the outside there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's. I, Agree. Both perimeters, I guess, have issues on either side of the ball. So, um, yeah, that both. I think they're going to struggle with stopping the production and also struggle to produce. It's. I mean, basically, any defense can key on Lashawn McCoy against this team. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And now they have Micah Hyde starting at free safety, former Green Bay Packer. What do you think of Hyde as mm-hmm. their starter there? I. I mean, Micah Hyde is a nickel cornerback to me. He's. I don't. I think that's where he's best suited. They gave him a lot of money. Um, he's a type that you want to kind of be able to move around and let him let his instincts take over. And at free safety, you get a little bit of that. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't think that covering a ton of ground is his strong suit. As someone who watched a whole lot of Micah Hyde, I definitely would not say that that is his strong suit by any means. It's probably his weakest trait. So, um, yeah, I don't think that's a great fit uh, for Hyde. And we have, you know, the aforementioned Jordan Matthews acquired in a trade from Philadelphia is probably their number one receiver. Uh, you know, Zay Jones, who's a a young, young rookie, uh, young player in the NFL, is uh, is probably their number two. Like, oh, yeah, man. I think so. I like Zay. I, I do, like both those guys. But. Yeah, but no, neither of them are number one receivers. I feel like they're both very good number threes or like solid number twos. And with Zay Jones, that's potentially. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think I'd lean towards the latter on that. But either way, you don't – I mean, especially you need a good quarterback, and that's kind of what I was getting back to, what I was getting at earlier. you got to have a guy that can make those two better. Um, and I, I like Jordan Matthews a lot. We've talked about him a ton on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's – you know, I, I, I struggle with the idea of him being your number one guy with Tyrod Taylor as your quarterback. I think that we've seen enough of a sample to know that – He's not the guy that you know you can pin your uh, your passing offense on. So, and now you have Charles Clay, aging Charles Clay, a lot of miles on those legs, and he's probably your number three receiver, quote unquote. And that's yeah. not really where you want to be either. So, um, yeah, not not looking great over mm-hmm. there. And again, you know that culture, it, they're trying to lose. I mean, if mm-hmm. they do well, it's going to be flying in the face of what the front office is so obviously trying to do. So that's. You know, that's the start that you're you're obviously you're behind the eight ball already. I've seen a lot of predictions about LaShawn McCoy having a huge year for the Bills, but do you think that's feasible given the weaknesses in this passing game? I I don't just because I think that you you can definitely key on him. Offensive line's not great, pretty below I would say below average. Hmm. Um and so although Tyrod Taylor can create a little bit with his legs um, and that helps spring McCoy for some bigger plays, especially on the outside. You've seen LaShawn McCoy. I mean, this isn't a young player anymore either. 
And I, I would be concerned about injuries with him as well. Mm-hmm. His pass would dictate. And the only reason why I think he could rack up a ton of counting numbers is a, because they're going to need to run because they can't really pass and B because their backup running back situation is, it leaves something to be desired. I think it's yeah. Mike Tolbert, their backup. Yeah, right it's it's Tolbert, then Joe ba- Banyard, at who I honestly am not familiar with. Uh, he's a <laughs> he's a twenty eight year old rookie out. I don't, he, I don't know. He's a twenty eight year old out of no. He was a two thousand twelve draft, but out of UTEP, okay. and then uh, Taiwan Jones, who is fast and not much else. Yeah, I liked him a long time ago at yeah. Eastern Washington. Yeah. Yeah, he's turned Uh Yeah, that's. Uh, I think. Uh, I think we've we've pretty much said what we need to say on them. They're not looking like a, a prime contender for that AFC East. Yeah. One last thing. Sure. Peterman looked really good in the preseason. What do you think the future holds? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, he's probably starting week one. It seems like, although yeah. Tyrod is is practicing. It's a weird thing because he's got the concussion. But uh, you know, I don't. I don't know. I uh, I wasn't impressed with him in college, but you know who knows. I, I I'm surprised he was productive with that receiving course. So yeah. maybe there's something there that uh, that we don't see or that I don't see. I just I'm not really not bullish there. All right. For the record, Tyrod Taylor did uh, pass his concussion protocol today and is on track to play Week One. Not that it means a ton. Like I said, seven and nine last year. This team trending up or down. Down, way down. Give me I a would, prediction. I think I'm going to go three and thirteen. That's three and thirteen or four and twelve. I wow. think that they're they might be the worst team in football when they, given the fact that they have no incentive to win because the front office isn't rewarding it. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm going four and twelve. I don't know. The Jets are going to be abysmal. <laughs> Those two teams are going after it. For the worst <laughs> but we're going to talk about them in just a second. Yeah, we'll get there. Uh, so up next, the Miami Dolphins finished 10 and six in the AFC East last year. Good for second place behind the Patriots. This was a team that really, you know, was very middle of the road, both in terms of offense and defense. Not a lot of uh, shining stars to uh, pin their hopes to. And one of them, Ryan Tannehill, has been lost for the season. What's what interests you about the Dolphins? Oh man, I think you got to start and end with Cuddy does it right. <laughs> yeah, I get Jay Cutler. This was probably the most, maybe the most interesting team going into the season. I think of any where okay. you could see the wild fluctuation. I'm, and I say interesting with you know a little bit of tongue in cheek, but you know it, Jay Cutler's best season taking care of the ball was with Adam Gase Mm. and I think that uh you know there's a chance that Gase if he can keep Cutler under wraps a little bit in terms of some of the recklessness that we've grown to love and appreciate about Jay Cutler especially his rivals um you know if he can keep that under wraps a little bit they have weapons to work with for sure I mean they like you said 10 wins last year with Ryan Tannehill kind of making the leap but not really and there's not really a ton of reason to believe that they should take a huge step, step back with Cutler. Um, so it's it'll be interesting. I do like that he's already all aboard the Devontae Parker bandwagon. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here for that. And uh, I think that that's, that'll be interesting. I think that he's between him and Jarvis Landry and Jay Ajayi and 
you know, eh, an okay offensive line. It could be interesting there. And I, I respect Adam Gase as an offensive play caller. So we will see. But, I mean, it, it all all hinges on Jay Cutler. Yeah, that offensive line is a little bit scary. Obviously, Tunsil moves over to play left tackle this year with Brandon and Albert being traded. Bad. Looks bad this preseason. Yes, and did not look good doing so. You know, Mike Pouncey has had some injuries in the past, and that's a guy that they really look to to be the man on that offensive line. I'm not familiar with their left guard, Jesse Davis, who is a third-year player from Idaho. I won't even pretend to have a lot of insight there. I do like Jawan James as an interesting right tackle prospect. And uh, former longtime tackle Jermon Bushrod has been kicked into right guard for the Dolphins. So, uh, yeah, I, that's that could be the one thing, and well, I mean, potentially other than Jay Cutler, to hold back what looks like a team with the makings of a really good offense with a Jaya with some interesting depth at that position with Jarvis Landry and Kenny Stills and Parker. You know, Julius Thomas looks more like the old Julius Thomas this preseason. This offense could mm-hmm. be could be explosive. It could be, and that's why I say it all revolves around Jay Cutler, which is not what really where you want to be. Uh, considering Cutler was a member of the Fox broadcasting crew like mm-hmm. a month and a half ago. So, uh, but it, no, I mean, I, I think that that's why I say, I think they're very interesting. I think that the, the ceiling is pretty high and the floor is very low. And uh, that's kind of been the MO on the Jay Cutler career. So um, I, I think that it'll be interesting if nothing else. And uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's going to be tough because they do have to play the Patriots twice, but there are wins to be had in the division. And I think that that's something that, you know, they'll, that Adam Gase is, I'm sure, preaching to his team. And, you know, no, without question, when you look at that schedule, there are wins out there for them if Cutler can keep things, you know, control under control. So the defensive line looks like it's going to be a big strength. When you have guys like Sue and Cameron Wake on the line, the linebackers are, are a mixed bag, let's put it like that, with a, a couple of free agent additions in Lawrence Timmons and Ray Maluga, along with the, uh, the incumbent Kiko Alonso. But, man, mm-hmm. I feel like we're going to say this a lot, but this secondary does not look good. You know, you have a sort of bounce back Byron Maxwell last year, and that's fine. Rasheed Jones is good when he's healthy, but, you know, and then there's Xavier Howard and Nate Allen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's um, I would say, average at best. A uh, little below. I mean, it's not as bad as that Bill secondary no. that you just described, but it's pretty, pretty bad, especially if you've got playoff aspirations. So, you know, I would just say that they're uh, they're a team that's again, it's like if that if that defensive line can get the kind of pressure they need, if those linebackers can play up to their higher their ceiling close closer to their ceiling than their floor, mm-hmm. then it can mask some of the deficiencies on the back end and. You know, you might have something here, especially if they they control the ball well on offense with a Jai and a controlled Cutler passing <laughs> passing attack. But you know, that's again, that's much easier said than done. Um, and I've seen that firsthand all too much here in Chicago. Yeah, can, can, uh, you don't really hear the phrase "controlled Cutler" very often. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, you don't. But he was under control with Gase. I, I keep saying that, but I do think that it's worth repeating. That Bears team was bad, except for what they had there. And um, and I'm I'm fascinated. I'll be fascinated to see 
how they perform with this specific group because I do think that there's a lot of talent there. And I was kind of surprised that they were shopping Jarvis Landry here this preseason because it didn't make a ton of sense to me. Yeah, you wonder if there's something else going on there. Like, uh, you know, maybe he's thinking about holding out. Maybe he wants a giant deal because he is one of the, like, sneaky best wide receivers in football. And just, like, the perfect security blanket for a quarterback with erratic issues like Cutler. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty surprised that he was out there. Uh, It doesn't seem like it's going to happen now. Maybe Mm -hmm. it'll happen down the line if the Dolphins aren't playing well. But, you know, I, I was surprised by it. Well, they will get TJ McDonald back uh, week nine, I believe. So that should help the defense. Like I said, 10 and six last year, trending up, trending down. Uh, 10 is a high number for this team. Um, if you look at their schedule, it doesn't bear out very well. Um, I'm going to say they're about the same. I love that they're going to feature Parker more. I think they're better suited to do well with a Jai as their lead back from day one. But uh, I I would say right around eight and a half to nine wins is where I would peg the line. Well, that's tough. I will, you know, I will defer to you there. But that is tough because it seems like they get four free wins having to play the the Bills and the Jets (laughs) twice. Very true. Um, But then, you know, probably two losses. I know they play this Pats well generally, but that's Mm -hmm. not super easy to, to navigate, especially with Brady there the whole year. So. Who? Uh, who is there? Tom Brady. Never heard of him. That's yeah, uh, that's uh, Garoppolo's backup? Yep, that's the one. <laughs> that right, is let, the one indeed. Let, let's move on to those New England Patriots. 14-2 and two last season had a, an offseason full of splash moves. This was a team that both scored the ball and managed to stop the ball from being scored last season. Give me your first thought when it comes to the New England Patriots. Oh, I, I, if they didn't have Adelman, I think we could potentially start the, I don't want to say the 16-0 and talk, but the 16-0 and talk is, you know, you're looking at four auto wins in the division. Mm-hmm. Some would say six. And I think that with that full group back and you add Brandon Cooks and you add Mike Gillisley, um, and, you know, you have a healthy Deion Lewis for the whole season. It's not difficult to imagine a scenario where they ran the table. Um, plus, they added Gilmore. I mean, it, it, but because Edelman's not there, I don't think that I can go that far. So I think you're looking at a typical par for the course Patriots season. But the first thing you think of, it has to be, it has to be Brady's age, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, but he seems like he's some sort of weird football robot. There was no signs at all of slowing down last year. But, you know, it's worth pointing out he did get a little bit of an extra rest last year with that four-game suspension. Uh, You know, you do lose Edelman, but you add Brandon Cooks, and that, that is awfully good. You know, they just, they just made a sneaky, sneaky trade for Philip Dorsett. And that seems like like the kind of player who could really thrive playing with Tom Brady and really make the offense incredibly explosive, adding the deep speed of Cooks and Dorsett. You know, they they also traded for Dwayne Allen. So they go Gronk, Dwayne Allen, a tight end. Man, Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. is, I mean, aside from the running back position, and this has been a team that's just really been running back by committee, I, I don't see any weaknesses on this offense. No, I I definitely don't either. Uh, you know, they the thing is with the committee that they're able to 
it's not just about the fact that they share. It's, it's that if one guy is doing well, mm. you know, he generally emerges. And so in that scenario, it, it makes, you know, they can, they can ride a Corey Dillon type or whoever, mm. you know, last year, LeGarrette Blunt ends up doing, doing huge things for them, obviously. And so, you know, they, it gives them both the flexibility to alter their game plan on a weekly basis, as well as, if one guy becomes and emerges as the bell cow, and I think that's sort of what they were looking at, looking for in Gillisley, um, you know, maybe that it gives them the ability to do that if they need to. So I think even in the scenario where Brady does fall off a little bit, they still are a really good team. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, it's not just Brady. I, they have a lot of talent and uh, they have a lot of ways they can beat you. Um, and I think that that's, that's what's probably scariest about them is scenarios most likely somewhat likely you know less likely all of them in all those scenarios they basically win anywhere from 10 to 12 games which is just absurd yeah are are there any concerns at all about the defensive line because you know you look at this this back you know the secondary looks very good with butler and mccordy and chung and gilmore and then you know, guys like Eric Rowe, and they managed to keep Deron Harmon. That it shocked me that they were able to keep Deron Harmon. I thought he was going to go be a starter somewhere, but mm-hmm. I guess I guess the chance to win a Super Bowl every single year is an appealing one. The the, the <laughs> linebackers, if you get paid like Gilmore did, uh, yeah, that's, that's true. The linebackers, you know, solid with Hightower, Harris, and uh, and Roberts, but this front four, I just don't know that they're gonna they're going to live up to what we expect from a, a Patriots front four. And we talk about Lawrence guy, Alan branch, Malcolm Brown and uh, Trey flowers. Yeah. Uh, I get the concern. Um, I think that Alan branch is still a pretty quality player. I, uh, you know, they drafted Dietrich wise. They loved him. Um, mm-hmm. I believe they traded up for him. I can't remember, but they, you know, they really like him. And uh, I, I do agree that if there was a weakness, I would, say that the defensive line certainly is it but you know every single year we say something like that and every single year they dominate you know they they find a way to string players together and and become better than as a whole than the sum of their parts and so that's it's just one of those things where you have to defer to you know to Belichick to that defense to Matt Patricia and, and everything that they do and just sort of tip your cap because they're going to do something uh, make something out of this group that's better than what they have currently. All right. Well, fourteen and two last season, up or down? Uh, can I say they're navigating the same course? I don't. I don't think that they're going up would mean that they're perfect. I don't think they're down really. So, uh, I'll I'll say, you know, staying the same. Another fourteen and two season in New England. How boring! I know. Isn't that insane? It must be. It must be terrible to be a Patriots fan. Um, <laughs> I have no bias against the That's Patriots. That's no fun being that consistently good. Come on. Uh, I would happily take it. Yeah. <laughs> I was, you know, it's it's tough to explain the Patriots because this was all this weird quirk of fate. You know, I was I was talking to my girlfriend last night, and I said, you know, they have this this franchise quarterback who they pick number one overall, big, strong, prototype quarterback in Drew Bledsoe. And his injury is the thing that sprung allowing a sixth-round draft pick out of Michigan, who nobody thought that much of, the opportunity to play and start this dynasty. Yeah, it's just 
just crazy. And then now you talk about Jimmy Garoppolo falling into their laps and, mm. you know, it's just, it, I mean, it's super commendable, obviously. And you have to give a lot of credit to both the personnel people as well as the coaches and Brady, of course, but it's, it's almost unfair how good they've done. And that's coming from someone who went from farm to Rogers. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's the ultimate cap tip right there. <sighs> that, that sounds good. Farber to Rogers sounds like a Montana to Young rather than what I've been dealing with in Philadelphia prior to Carson Wentz's <laughs> arrival. But that's fine. That's fine. So we're going to talk about the team that we're all here to talk about. We're all excited about what's going on with the New York football Jets this season. Yeah. 5-11 and 11 last year, just horrible on offense, 30th overall in points, uh, 26th in total yards, 27th in passing yards. They're 28th in terms of giving up points on defense, despite the fact that their individual category is not terrible. Man, is there a worse team in football on paper heading into the season than the New York Jets? No, it's not particularly close, especially after they dealt Sheldon Richardson, who's <laughs> probably a top five player on that top three player on that team. Yeah. I mean, when you take a top three player off a team that already sucks pretty hard, that's pretty bad. Um, and so, Oh boy, that is, I get why they gave him up. I mean, I know that they needed to do it. I think it's generally a decent move for them to get a second rounder, although it'll be late second from Seattle, but, uh, or is it, is it a conditional pick? Yeah, it's a three that can be a two, I believe. Okay. I assume it'll end up being a two because mm-hmm. it's Seattle, but, um, you know, I, ugh, this is bad. It's bad from the beginning <laughs> all the way on down and, the only place where it's good is at the position that we just talked about being, you know, like if you can, if you need to be bad somewhere, the defensive line's not the worst place to be bad at. Mm. And that's the one place where the jets are probably above average compared to everything else. Not, not great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a weird situation with that defense where they have two guys who would be really, really interesting defensive tackles playing a sort of more neutered defensive end position in that three, four, these aren't, uh, you know, while Mo Wilkerson and Leonard Williams have both been productive in that role, certainly neither one of them is like the standard bearer of J.J. Watt in terms of impact makers at defensive end. You know, Steve McClendon is uh, the starter on the nose, I believe. Yep. So that's... Him or Mike Pinnell, former Packer, who's pretty solid, actually. But Well, yeah, so they're fine there, but that's pretty much they're the good. Old. That's pretty much the only place where they are fine. Let's, uh, let's, oh God, it's just such an energy suck looking at this roster. All right, well, let's talk about where it all starts with an NFL team. Let's talk about the quarterback position. Is there, is there any reason for the Jets to watch, (laughs) Jets fans to watch football games this season with a quarterback trio of Josh McCown, Bryce Petty, and Christian Hackenberg? No, oh, all right. So I'm friends with a diehard Jets fan, and bless her heart, because it is this is just an ugly, ugly situation. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually don't. I mean, look, they're the worst, probably, almost certainly in football with McCown. But you know, mm-hmm. you'd rather have McCown week one than like Scott Tolzien or maybe Peterman, probably, and there are a couple other pretty bad situations, but. You know, it's nothing that gets you excited. That's the problem. Like, Jets fans are so done with Hackenberg, and he hasn't even started, really. Yeah. Petty is awful. Everyone knows it. And, you know, even their, you know, their skill guys aren't very fun either. Like, Forte and Powell or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, they're good players. But when you talk about uh, just 
yeah, there's just not a, a lot of exciting news. Jamal Adams is a fun player, but uh, outside safety. of him, I don't. Is that? He's a safety. I mean, how does right. a te- how does a team this bad take a safety that high, and then a second safety in the second round? Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I I I like Jamal Adams. I think a lot of teams would have liked to have him, but generally, it's teams that have fewer holes for a team that needed right. everything. You just don't take. I don't think you take the safety there. And so, like you said, right. and then they come back with who was it in the second round that they took? Marcus it, May. Yeah, which was kind of a reach. I thought if Me too. where they did. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's there's definitely it's it's tough to feel really excited about it. And the coaching staff are all dead in the water and everyone knows it. And it's yeah. just like, it's just a really sad sack situation there in New York. Anshu, can you name the New York Jets general manager for me? Uh, <laughs> general manager? Because this has got to be one no? of the most anonymous people in all of uh, the NFL. Who is it? Mike is McGagnon. It? Oh, yeah. Mike McGagnon, yeah. yeah. Mike McGagnon, a guy you can have. (laughs) A guy who will get you guys you can have, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, So they did add Jermaine Curse. I guess that's good to to a group of Ardarius Stewart and Robbie Anderson at, at wide receiver. Oh, my God. This is... This is the worst wide receiver group I've ever. Oh my god, it's so bad. I legitimately Every, think it's the worst ever. And it might. It only, might be. And that's after getting Jermaine Curse, who looks like he's going to be a starter. I mean, he's the number one receiver by default. <laughs> I think you got to go with Temple's finest, Robbie oh, Anderson. Come but... I, oh, and under good. So the the alternative to a guy who has at least been okay in the NFL is an undrafted free agent from last Look, season. The guy you can have. I mean, probably not actually. Not a guy you can really want to have. But uh, yeah, it's it's real ugly. It's real ugly. This is a bad, bad roster. But I, you know, as I look at this defense, though, mm-hmm. I still think that it's a little bit better than the Bills. I honestly think that. Um, maybe, maybe the the one saving grace, uh, other than potentially having a really good safety duo, which I mean, that's great. That's like, oh, we finished. We finished with the, uh, you know, three and thirteen. We have the second pick in the draft, and we're going to grab a dominant fullback. That's basically what taking a safety means. Um, the linebacker core is is okay. It, it's 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 pretty solid with with some upside in uh, in Malden, Mario Davis, Darren Lee, and Jordan like Jenkins. Lee. Oh, I, I do like too. Yeah. I do too. But it's when you're when yeah, exactly. When it's like, oh, Darren Lee's pretty good, and that's what you're hanging your hat on. Uh, it, uh, yeah, it's going to be bad. Let's let's just let's call it what it is. It's yeah, it's a it's a dumpster fire. So they were five and eleven last season. I don't oh. think I think don't think I have to ask this, but trending up or trending down? <laughs> They're trending down. Um, I. All right, whose roster is worse, top to bottom? This the no Jets one. or the Bills? The Jets. Not even close. Yeah, because the Bills, at least you could see where they can score some points. I don't. How does yeah. this Jets team? They can't score and they can't stop people from scoring. I. They just can't pass. I mean, their their running backs are pretty good. Like they're Forte, average. Forte is going to be an average this group. year, though. 
Yeah, no, Powell's underrated-ish. I don't know. <laughs> You're right. I don't. Know. I can't. I can't get the. Don't make me defend the Jets. Waxing poetic about Bilal Powell. <laughs> hey, he's not the worst player I've ever seen. I do like. You know, if we're gonna say some positive, I do kind of like Elijah McGuire. I think he's an yep. interesting running back. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> you won't even give me that. Forward. You won't even no, say I mean, that you, about being positive about this the, team. You gave me the third string running back <laughs> at a position where they have two solid backs. Like I, it, that's not a reason to be to be up upbeat on this team. Like I think that their front seven is actually their defense isn't bad. I would say this is an average defense and a just truly dreadful offense. Uh, yeah, Av- average. I don't know. Below average to average is what I will I will settle for because I think when we mm. actually get into looking at some of these other teams, and we actually see what real defenses look like, suddenly this team's going to look a lot worse by comparison. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. But those other teams are going to have to wait because we're uh, we're kind of running up against the deadline here. And uh, unfortunately, it's not going to make sense to start the next division. So we're going to have to try and pick this up in the next couple of days to finish the uh, the last six divisions uh, in the NFL. Until then, I am Chris Horwardell. Seven. No, yes. Seven. Oh, seven. We finished one division. I gave us too much credit. I thought we finished two. You really two. wanted to talk red hot bills and jets. I can't blame you. Well, what are you going to do? We got, this is The NFL is starting. We have to give uh, due time to each and every NFL team, Montreal. Hey, listen, you're right. You're it's absolutely not- right. Not my fault. Two of the worst in the NFL just happened to come up in the first four. <laughs> kind of your fault, though. I don't think so. But anyway, <laughs> this, uh, we'll be back. So we'll be back. We're going to try to be back in the next couple of days. Until then, I'm Chris Forwardell. He's on Chukana. This has been the first episode of The Underdog, our new podcast here on Underdog Sports. Thanks for listening, and we will uh, see you again real soon. <laughs>